0: a major privacy change, what you'll have more control over on your iPhone and why it's making Facebook furious. The CDC also revealing new guidelines for camps, what it means for your kids this summer. Home prices, boy are they surging, the fastest pace in 15 years. How long will it last? And inspiring America, the healthcare worker brightening his city with beautiful surprises for perfect strangers.
1: NBC Nightly
0: News with
1: Lester Holt.
0: Good evening, heralded as one of our most important defenses against COVID-19. The CDC tonight relaxing its guidelines on wearing face coverings, saying it's now okay for fully vaccinated people to go maskless while outdoors and away from big gatherings. The decision perhaps less about masks and more about the robust effectiveness of vaccines. Now in the arms of close to 142 million Americans and nudging us toward normalcy. President Biden quick to embrace the new guidelines today, hoping the good news will entice more Americans to roll up their sleeves. Miguel Almaguer has
1: details. Tonight, the CDC's about face changes daily life for all Americans, especially those fully vaccinated, releasing this new chart, updating guidelines on face masks outdoors. The agency now says whether you're vaccinated or not, it's safe to walk down the street, go for a run or a bike ride without a face covering. You also won't need one to attend a small outdoor gathering like a barbecue if everyone else is vaccinated.
2: If you are vaccinated, it is safe to be outdoors without a mask and the more and more people who get vaccinated, the more you'll have more people who are safer without masks.
1: For those who are fully vaccinated, the new outdoor guidelines extend further. The CDC also saying it's safe to gather outside in a small group, whether others are vaccinated or not. Also, given the all clear dining outside at a restaurant with friends from multiple households. And though the agency says the vaccinated should still wear a mask at large outdoor gatherings like a baseball game or a concert, the risk is low. The bottom line is clear. If you're vaccinated, you can do more things, more safely, both outdoors as well as indoors. While there were fewer changes for the unvaccinated, the CDC says all Americans still need to wear a mask indoors. No changes for anyone at grocery stores, malls,
2: churches, or gyms. We know that the virus spreads very well indoors. Until more people are vaccinated, mask use indoors will provide extra protection.
1: For over a year, face masks have been a divisive issue. But now the CDC says less than 10% of documented COVID cases occurred outdoors.
3: One, two, three. With
1: 37% of all adults fully vaccinated, the CDC hopes the new guidelines encourage more people to get their shots. Rolling back restrictions even further could continue if vaccinations climb and new COVID cases drop. Tonight, for all Americans, a much-needed breath of fresh air as our nation comes closer to life as it used to be.
0: So, Miguel, the goal is to encourage vaccinations, but some of those super sites are closing, right?
1: Yeah, Lester, they have in several states. So to make vaccinations easier, local pharmacies are now saying no matter where you got your first shot, you can get your second one close to home. Lester? All right, Miguel, thank you. And earlier I spoke to CDC Director
0: Rochelle Walensky about the timing of the new mask recommendations. Dr. Walensky, what changed in the science that allowed this new recommendation to be made?
2: So there's both a change in the science and a a change in where we are with this pandemic and where we are in getting the country vaccinated. Um, We know from science that uh, less than 10% of cases of COVID-19 have been occurring outdoors. So we have the science to say, Outdoor transmission is is much rarer than indoor transmission. That, with cases now starting to plateau and come down, um, have really helped us move this guidance forward. With the
0: risk so low for outdoor transmission, why not remove the mask requirement for even unvaccinated people?
2: Because we still believe that there is transmission, people are gathering uh, near one another, they're, they're coming less than six feet apart, and we know that this virus um, can trick us, so we want to be very careful for people who are unvaccinated.
0: You're also encouraging uh, folks, even vaccinated people, to keep the mask on indoors. Do you expect that will change? Uh, what science are you waiting for to give you that allow you to recommend that guidance?
2: Right. What we're really looking for both is an increase in the number of vaccinated people and a decrease in the number of cases. Um, While we're really encouraged by the ongoing trends right now, I do want to remind Americans that we had a a seven-day average of about 54,000 cases this past week. Those numbers are coming down, but that's still higher than our summer surge. As cases continue to come down and people continue to get vaccinated, we're hoping that we can uh, then relinquish um, and produce more guidance.
0: It feels like a lot of the The excitement around today's announcement has to do with the mass, but I I feel like you were also making a point about the shots, the vaccines themselves. Have they proven in real world experience to be more effective than, than you imagined?
2: are working exactly as they did in the clinical trials. Our hospitalization rates are coming down, our death rates are coming down, and they're really working to prevent infection, even in those rare breakthrough infections that we're seeing, um, because we anticipated them. We're seeing people with mild disease, with asymptomatic disease, and that's exactly what we were looking for.
0: Dr. Walensky acknowledges some of the hesitancy we've been telling you about, but says around 2.7 million people are still being vaccinated every day. You can make a plan for when and where to get vaccinated Visit PlanyourVaccine.com for more. In just 60 seconds, what an autopsy reveals about the deadly police shooting of Andrew Brown Jr., and will police release the body cams? The FBI has opened a civil rights investigation into the police shooting death of Andrew Brown Jr. in North Carolina as his family reveals results of an autopsy and the battle over body cam video heads to court. Let's get more now from Kerry Sanders.
4: Tonight, the town council in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, releasing this surveillance video as the Pasqua Tank SWAT team converged on Andrew Brown. The angle does not show what happened next. Brown's family today. But you need to talk about the assassination. Concluding he was assassinated by deputies. It was a kill shot to the back of the head. Brown, who was driving his car at the time, was shot to death six days ago as deputies served an arrest warrant for allegedly selling illegal drugs. Andrew did not get his due process. The county medical examiner has now issued a death certificate, writing, Andrew Brown died as a result of a penetrating gunshot wound of the head. The family commissioned their own private autopsy. It shows Brown was first shot four times in the right arm. The final bullet that killed him to the back of his head. The Pasquotank Sheriff issuing a statement today that says, in part, a private autopsy is just one piece of the puzzle. An independent investigation is being conducted by the state. On Saturday, the sheriff said he supported the release of all the body cameras. We want the body camera footage made public. But a close reading of what was just filed with the court now shows the sheriff only asks that the recordings be released to Khalil Farabee, the adult son of Mr. Brown. Yesterday, Farabee and his attorneys were allowed to watch only one 20-second body cam clip. And what did you see? Execution. Execution? Yes.
1: Describe it. It's horrific. You know, you see a person trying to get away and the cops shooting at them. You know, that's
4: not right. Brown family attorneys plan to argue in the courthouse here tomorrow that all the body cam and dash cam videos be released. It'll be up to a judge to determine if all the video can be released and what releasing the video truly means. Lester? Okay,
0: Kerry Sanders, thank you.
4: Audible
1: is the best place to listen. And now with Audible Plus, stream exclusive originals, popular audiobooks, binge-worthy podcasts, and more like our Full Sleep collection. Stream all you want, when you want. Try the new Audible Plus, free for 30 days. Go to Audible.com today.
0: We're learning more this evening about a massive spending proposal to aid American families that President Biden will call for in tomorrow night's speech to Congress. Peter Alexander
4: is at the White House for us. Peter, what's in the plan? Yeah, Lester, good evening. The White House is dubbing its latest proposal the American Families Plan with a nearly $2 trillion price tag focused on childcare and education, including calling for a national partnership with states to offer free universal preschool for all three and four-year-olds. It would also extend the child tax credit. In addition to COVID relief and infrastructure plans for the president, President Biden will have called for roughly $6 trillion in new spending. And he plans to ask Congress to pay for it by raising taxes on on big businesses and the wealthy.
0: Lester. All right, Peter. And with that, let's turn our look at President Biden's first 100 days and where he stands tonight on some of the biggest foreign policy challenges he faces. Among them, Russia, China, and Iran. Here's Andrea Mitchell. Congratulations,
3: Mr. President. <laughs> President Biden promised to reach out to allies and punish adversaries. Good afternoon. What's the it's record show afternoon. at the 100-day mark? <laughs> As protesters challenge Vladimir Putin at home, Biden is confronting the Russian leader unlike Donald Trump, sanctioning Russia for election interference, hacking government agencies and U.S. companies, poisoning opposition leader Alexei Navalny, and he's warning Putin against threatening Ukraine. Still, he's invited Putin to a summit in a third country, possibly this summer. He's testing the Biden administration and then he gets rewarded by having a summit. And so that, I think, uh, encourages belligerent behavior but an aggressive china is a bigger long-term threat its warships threatening taiwan and other u.s allies committing genocide against the muslim uyghurs and crushing democracy in hong kong china is the most significant
1: strategic challenge facing the united states Uh, it is a country that is growing in economic Clout, it is advancing its military capabilities
3: and it's acting in increasingly aggressive and assertive ways. The president kept his promises to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord and start indirect talks to rejoin and strengthen the Iran nuclear deal. Talks almost sabotaged when Iran's main nuclear facility was attacked, the U.S. believes, by Israel. Would you prefer if no one were to attack Iran's nuclear facilities while you're trying to get negotiations started?
1: We certainly believe that there are certain
3: kinds of activities that are unhelpful uh, to diplomacy. The president's biggest decision so far, starting the withdrawal from Afghanistan, overruling his own generals. Where has he fallen short? He lifted the Trump-Muslim ban, but so far has broken his promise to let in more legally vetted refugees than his predecessor. And while sanctioning Saudi Arabia for murdering journalist Jamal Khashoggi, the president failed to punish the Saudi crown prince who the CIA says was responsible. Another example where President Biden is balancing his promises versus the reality of foreign policy.
0: Okay, Andrea, thank you. Into-
3: for far too long, hospitals across the country
0: and the new challenge many are facing. Plus, all week, our county-to-county county team will be in the key districts reporting on President Biden's first 100 days in office. More than 10 million people are under threat of severe weather tonight. Al Roker is tracking it for us. Al, what are we looking at here?
1: Lester, as we look at the radar, you can see severe thunderstorms already firing up. We have watches from Colorado to Texas to Oklahoma,
0: and it's just going to get worse as the evening wears on. We have currently a risk for 12 million people stretching from Chicago all the way down into Texas for damaging winds, hail, possibility of tornadoes. And again, tomorrow we've got 14 million people at risk from Oklahoma to Texas for more tornadoes, damaging winds, and hail as well. And tomorrow, record-setting warmth possible throughout the Northeast, from Chicago up to Detroit, New York, all the way down to Charlotte. A lot on your plate there, Al. Thanks. For companies like Facebook, harvesting information about you from your phone helps them make big money from advertisers. But now Apple is stepping in, making it easier for you to say no to this.
5: Jake Ward explains. Usually updating your phone means a few new emojis, but Apple's latest update means a lot more than that for the tech industry and your privacy. Companies like Facebook and TikTok that make apps for your phone will now have to ask your permission to track you. And tracking what you do on your phone helps companies target ads and make money off you. It's more than a $100 billion industry in the U.S. alone.
2: What that does is it creates an entire network of data sharing that most people just simply aren't aware of. It's easy to forget how long these companies have been around and how long they've potentially been collecting data about us.
5: Facebook argues that small businesses depend on targeted ads to sell their goods to the right people. Your information is for sale. You have become the product. Apple says that it's time to reveal a hidden world of data tracking. What could this mean to you? Well, generic ads and maybe fewer free apps. Also expose just how much of our data we've been giving away. Jake Ward, NBC News, Oakland, California. Up next for us tonight, navigating the
0: hottest housing market in years in the price you pay. In addition to those new outdoor mask guidelines we told you about at the top of the broadcast, the CDC is also out with new recommendations for summer camps. Vicki, win now with what families need to know.
6: With summer almost here, time for some happy campers. The CDC recommends camps emphasize outdoor activities, social distancing, and vaccines for staff and campers. Since many kids can't get a shot yet, masks are recommended, even outdoors. We're seeing obesity cases rising, we're seeing mental health issues rising, and we are very hopeful that camp can really be the antidote. Woodmont Day Camp in New York operated last summer with zero COVID cases.
7: We had no pink eye, we had no lice, we had no strep throat. Kids were outside, they were spread out.
6: They'll also continue daily temperature checks and symptom questionnaires. And per CDC guidance, all activities, including meals and arts and crafts, will be outside. To stop the spread of an outbreak, campers will be assigned to a pod. So while one pod is here at the eagle's nest, another pod can be here 30 yards away on the climbing wall. Or out here fishing with their pod at the lake. For kids who ride the bus, the policy will be masks on and windows open. Expect similar changes at sleepaway camps. Many will also form a bubble. No one in or out once campers arrive after testing negative. Camp will
2: continue to be an opportunity for children to make new friends, to be outside, away from screens, and be children.
6: Don't wait. Camps are filling up fast. And to ask about scholarships. This year more federal money has been set aside to help kids get into summer programs. Lester? Helpful
0: information. Vicky, thank you. In the price you pay tonight, home prices surged nearly twelve percent in February. That's the fastest pace since two thousand six. Stephanie, we'll rule now on how long this seller's market may last.
7: When Daniel Mahalik checks real estate listings, he almost can't believe it.
0: I can swipe down on my phone and see the listing happen literally in real time on one day. Listed at 7 o'clock in the morning, off the market at 11 o'clock, and then three days later, it's officially marked as sold.
7: The value of his California condo is at an all-time high, but so are the prices of the homes he's interested in buying. Frustrating, depressing, depressing. Nationwide, prices rose 12% in February, with the biggest increases in Phoenix, San Diego, and Seattle. Have you ever seen anything like it?
2: I have never seen anything
7: like it. It definitely is a seller's market. Buyers are offering sight unseen, and buyers are paying way above the list price. The biggest reason for the spike in prices, the supply of homes for sale is down 28% at a time when interest rates are at historic lows and the cost of building new houses is up. For buyers, experts recommend apps like Realtor.com or Zillow to narrow your search, and for alerts when houses go on the market. Also, know your budget so you can make an offer fast and avoid a bidding war. For sellers, multiple offers are great, but know where you're moving to so you aren't stuck looking for a home.
4: We had too much home for empty nesters.
7: Arnie Samlin and his wife recently sold their Miami home. They wanted to buy, but are renting for now.
4: We're just going to wait until we
0: feel that the market is sane. All right, Stephanie, for folks trying to time this, when might prices start going down?
7: Lester, it could be a while. Experts don't compare this to the 2008 housing bubble. It's very different. And with pent-up demand from the pandemic, prices are likely to continue rising until next year. Lester?
0: Okay, Stephanie Rule. thank you. Up next, how one man's gift of art is inspiring America. Finally, I want you to meet a man who's found a way to combine his art and the art of giving. If you're wandering around Boston and spot an oil painting propped up against an unusual spot, like a brick wall, go ahead and take it. The artist, nursing student Jake Garcia, hopes you will. The art for me, like when I do it, like I, I it's it's a form of meditation. Five months ago, Jake picked up a paintbrush to help him cope with the pandemic. So how did the idea come to start leaving your your works behind well you know i walk home with my paintings and uh and they're wet and that's that's really annoying and so i was i sat down on a
1: bench and i was like i'm just gonna leave this painting here like soon
0: leaving the painting for strangers became just as meditative as the brush strokes themselves i mean you don't get to enjoy your own art once you leave it i get a picture of it (laughs) i i think you know what good is art if it's in a box in a closet like you know, like like if, if, if nobody's enjoying it, like is it even what good is it? So far he has left seven of his landscape paintings around the city posting hints to their locations on social media. Ralph Menzioni picked up one. It's something that when I, when I end up leaving Boston area, it's something that I can always take with me. So I think it's just
4: cool kind of brighten someone's day really quick and it's a, it's a unique little find.
3: You can kind of make somebody's day without saying a word. I, I can just paint them a picture and, and and I can see their reaction,
0: and I think that's very nice. For Jake, the makings of a picture-perfect day. And by the way, you can watch a special primetime Inspiring America event I'll be hosting with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. This weekend, we'll reveal the 2021 Inspiration List, featuring stories of some extraordinary people. That's nightly news for this Tuesday. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night.